Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. The following content contains graphic, explicit, and vulgar language. And with that out of the way, welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks number 170. I'm Jason DeFilippo, here with my co-host... Brian Schulmeister. How are you, Jason? I'm good. Happy last day to upgrade to Windows 10 for free day. Well, I no longer live in that world, so this does not apply to me. But uh, for those of you that do, it's going to be 120 bucks for the home version, and Windows 10 Pro will be $200. So do it today, because that's now. $0. Which yes. Is better. Yes. Free is the best price. It really is. Much like this show. <laughs> um, hmm. And one thing that's not free is Yahoo. No, that's apparently going, not. Uh, going for five, almost $5 billion. And uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I found an article uh, in Bloomberg, which is an op-ed uh, piece. But uh, since we you know, always talk about why these people are so stupid and make so much money. <coughs> Marissa Meyer. <laughs> this seems to break down uh, some of it um, and offers some fixes. What's interesting about it is, um, and the title of the article is, CEOs are paid fortunes just to be average. Or in Marissa Meyer's case, a seat warmer for four years. (laughs) Sub-average. Yes. (laughs) Um, They're paid on the the price of the stock. But the interesting thing is they have almost no control over the stock. Not really. No. I mean, side, you know, yeah, not really. Yeah. 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 It's a joke. I mean, come on. Yeah, performance of the company clocks in at somewhere around 30%. You know, the rest of it is market forces and external um, external forces and outside market stuff. All that crazy yep. stuff, you know, that you have to wear a suit to really give a shit about. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting that this, this guy points out that, you know, they should really have a completely different set of KPIs for these people to get paid on. And he lists a bunch of them. And I thought it was a pretty short, nice, interesting read and in that people out there do agree with us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, in a perfect world. That will <laughs> never happen. Uh, iOS, iOS 10 is coming. Yes, it I, is. Are, do you have the beta? I nope. don't remember if you get yourself involved in those programs or not. Uh, not anymore. And I'm I'm back on my 5S because my 6 Plus, the repair they did on it doesn't work. Oh, <laughs> the okay. screen stops working after about a minute. Right. So I have to turn it off and turn it back on. So I, I migrated back to my 5S, which is... Uh, yeah, I'm going to take it back in and see if they can try and fix it again because I got a 90 day warranty on it on, the, on okay. any repair. And uh, right. if they can't, it'll just be I'll wait for the seven and it'll come with the seven. Right, right. Well, I, I looked at some of the stuff that came out when they when they were announcing iOS 10, the sketches and messages and all that kind of crap and heart beating tapping, which seems a little bit ridiculous. Uh, and one of the more ridiculous items that I've seen, but I put it here in our follow up because we spent a lot of time talking about sleep. Uh, yes. And different methods that we have used to get better sleep and the importance of it and whatnot. Uh, they are coming up with an updated clock app as part of iOS 10, uh, which has a feature called the bedtime feature. You put in the amount of time that you would like to sleep and it makes a graphic and then tells you you should probably go to bed now if you want to sleep that much. OK. Does it uh, does it Seems tuck you in and give so... you a story? No, no, that would be useful. Uh, this is just okay, this seems stupid. Again, this is engineering a solution to a problem that really isn't there. I don't know. I'll give it a shot when it comes out. You never know. Yeah, you never know. But I, uh, I, I try. It's hey, it's free. It comes with it. I'll give it a shot. You it's know, free, and it's it is going to have new sounds, which is nice. Okay, and you know, if you're not using night shift mode already, definitely get on that because that really does help. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Get rid of that blue light, people. 
Yes, you know, it's that's the the uh, the version of Flux that was stolen and put on the iOS. <laughs> yes. Um, Neil Young's Pono, your favorite piece of hardware. I'm sorry, what's that? Yes. Uh, Neil Young's Porno. I mean, Pono. Uh, uh, I don't it, know it's, what you're talking it's about. actually still around. You can still buy them, but you can't buy any music for them now, at least well, not for several more weeks because their store's offline because they... <laughs> Uh, their other provider got bought, and now they have to go with another company called Seven Digital out of London, and it's taking them a little bit more time than uh, they thought, and it will take several weeks to complete the migration. Awesome. Well, that's good. Yes, but you can still buy the Pono, so you can go buy something without being able to get any. I, I, wonder, I don't know it very well, so you may be able to put your own music on it. Who knows? I'd imagine you probably can, right? It'd be Well, who knows? This, this, That's whole, this, day and age? this whole thing is so stupid to begin with, you may not be able to. So yeah. I do like the fact that if I Google Pono, I get Pono Burger instead of uh, Pono Music. So uh, that's good. That's good. If you do an image search, maybe you'll get Toblerone. Oh, let me look. Oh, yeah. There it is. In the news. We've got a lot of news on self-driving cars today. Yay. We're going to start off, though, in China. Okay. Yes, far away. Uh, Chinese auto authorities are collaborating with the police to develop regulations around testing self-driving cars on the country's main roads. Uh, This is because they've been pulled from the main roads. The government said, no, 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 no. You are not going to test your your, your, uh, self-driving cars on our main highways. Seems wise. Yeah, so until they can... uh, Come up with these regulations and ratify them. Um, they must uh, stay off the road. All right. Isn't China the one that had that crazy ass bus that let people drive through the middle of it? Yep. <laughs> okay. It's not done but, yet, but it's on its oh, way. Yeah. That, that one's on. Its, I'm sure they well, they're not going to be able to test that on main roads either. No well, way. Here's the thing. It's not on the road. It's over the road. Oh, that's a good point. That's yes. A good point. Yeah. And uh, in the U.S., federal regulators are saying that uh, car makers just cannot wait on perfect for automation. They need to like. Forge ahead. So you have the Chinese being incredibly safe and you have us being relatively safe to be well, safer. It does depend on how one defines perfection. Yes. I'm not expecting anything perfect. This is tech after all. Oh, yeah. None of it's perfect. <laughs> oh, we know that. Um, oh, yes, we know that. So but they're saying uh, what's his name? Uh, Mark Rosekind uh, is one of the guys from the is the well, the head of the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. And there was a big uh, auto conference last week. Mm. And he was saying, you know, look, this stuff saves lives. So, you know, we know that you know what you got to do. So keep on on it it. and make it work. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I think that's I think it's good that that's going on for sure. Yeah. No, me too. Um, One interesting thing. This is not about self-driving cars. This is about uh, your neighborhood uh, crowdsource driving car. Your favorite people, Uber. Yes. You know, they're always like, oh, you know, we're saving people's lives by getting drunk people off the road. Turns right. out, <laughs> turns out uh, the original studies were uh, accurate about DUIs being reduced. Okay. Well, there comes a point when you have had too much to drink and you <laughs> don't really care about calling an Uber because you want to save some money and skedaddle home yourself. Yes. Well, turns out Uber has yet to reduce drunk driving deaths what? at all. What? Yep. It'll save you on a ticket, but you can still get killed because you have yeah. to take an Uber. To actually save a life, um, so yeah. I have to say I'm totally shocked that something that Uber uses to promote itself isn't correct. I know who who to thunk it. <laughs> who to thought? <laughs> so uh, yeah, this is this new report uh, comes out from the American Journal of uh, Epidemiology. 
And they're okay. saying that uh, ride services like Uber and Lyft had no impact on the country's overall rate of drunk driving fatalities, about 10,000 a year. Um, okay. And this is a test from 2009 to 2014 of the 100 most populated metropolitan areas in the U.S. I mean, certainly here in Los Angeles, that was a big part of Uber's push, um, it, you know, because the taxis has always been a kind of a miserable proposition here. It was, hey, you get to go and party now. Yep. Yeah, well, not so much. Okay. <laughs> Shocking. Uh, Yahoo, let's get back to that. Uh, there is an exhaustive list on Slate uh, right now showing all the various different things Yahoo tried to do to turn a buck or two and lets you know uh, if Verizon, if it's part of the Verizon acquisition, if it's being shuttered, and rather amusingly, because it's such a long list, uh, it takes you back to the past. A lot of these things were discontinued ages ago, and I forgot they even existed. Some of these things I didn't even know existed at all, but it's a fun little list to kind of snicker to yourself until you realize how much Marissa Mayer got paid. Foxy Tunes. Yeah. Rocket Mail. Wow. Yeah. Yahoo Kids, which is originally Yahooligans. Ah, Yahooligans. I remember that. <laughs> oh, I remember when that launched. That was great. <laughs> yeah. Yahoo Maps is uh, actually being acquired for reasons beyond anybody's idea. So um, uh, Yahoo Meme, a microblogging site. I've never heard of that. It was conceived as a mix between Twitter and Tumblr, discontinued in 2012. Okay. Man, there's yeah. a lot of stuff in here. Wow. Right. Look at all the shit that they did. Uh, keyword being shit. Yeah, therein lies the rub. <laughs> <laughs> Yahoo 360, remember that one? Vaguely, yes. Uh, Yahoo uh, 360 plus Vietnam. <laughs> woo! <laughs> uh, discontinued, yeah. discontinued, discontinued. But uh, the the one that I've the first one I went to look for was Flickr, and yes, going to Verizon. Tumblr, yes, yes going to Verizon. Yes, the things that actually work. Well, they're both ish. ish. Yeah, Tumblr after went to Yahoo, pretty much went downhill. Uh, Flickr has just been dead for a very, 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 very long time. Yeah. Sadly, it uh, all the best that Sean Bonner could do by making a website to try and get Marissa Meyer to save Flickr did not work. So, yeah, I I think uh, I think I'll just I I, I probably still have a couple thousand photos up there. I think I'll pull them and kill the account. Probably wise. No, no reason to have more uh, cobwebbed accounts floating around out there. Exactly. Try to reduce your digital footprint, as it were. Yes. Yeah. So another shitty company is trying to sell itself right now. SoundCloud. Oh, yeah. Uh, SoundCloud's paid Goo music service, which is a complete and utter mess and just horrible. I, I, you know, I gave it a go because I figure it's in our wheelhouse and I should. Uh, I don't understand it. It's horrible. There's not much there. I don't care. Um Basically, they SoundCloud owners are exploring strategic options, including a possible sale at a valuation of one billion. Unfortunately, even with Twitter's seventy million dollar investment in them recently, they are only valued at seven hundred million. So and it's it, uh, how is that company worth seven hundred million dollars? It's not hey, even they, their music. They got. I I agree, but hey, they think they're worth a billion. Yeah, that's true. Hey, man, you put yourself up for a billion, you talk it down to half a billion, everybody goes home at like four seventy-five. <laughs> and considering it's SoundCloud, everybody goes not happy. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, what did you just buy? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing, because they, they don't own any. They, uh, like you said, they own, they own a couple of Flash players and uh, some servers yeah. and hard drives. The, the content is not theirs. Exactly. Um, we are more valuable to Facebook than we used to be. Okay. Well, I'm glad somebody values my opinion. Uh, your opinion is worth exactly $3.82. Well, that's better than it was last time. 
This is uh, what Facebook $3.60 is $3.60 last month or whatever. Exactly. It went up from uh, from three sixty to three eighty two. That is what Facebook is making per person. The reason that this metric is starting to matter more and more is because fa- Facebook used to value itself based on user growth. Now that everybody in the fucking world is on Facebook, <laughs> uh, other than starting the you must breed and have many children approach, uh, which luckily they have not started yet. Uh, as they far going, as we know. As far as we know. They are going with uh, user value. Uh, rather than user number. So, okay. Yeah, this makes sense. I mean, you have to. Yeah, you have to. Once everybody's on, uh, uh, this is the same problem Apple is facing, which we'll get to in a few seconds. Uh, once, once you've got everyone, you can't grow your value anymore that way. Everybody's there. You're mm-hmm. done. So, makes sense. Uh, Olympics are coming. Uh, this should be a hell of a shit show. Oh, yeah. I'm hoping it's not. I, I would love it just to go off uh, smoothly and be a wonderful experience, but I think most of us think that's not going to happen. And you will be able to watch the Olympic lowlights, I will not call them highlights, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, NBC obviously owns the rights, which is incredibly expensive and very lucrative. The first deal that they announced a while back was with Snapchat, because you got to get the kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, now they will also publish up to 20 Olympic highlights per day on Facebook and the Facebook-owned Instagram. And a two-minute daily recap show complete with highlights that will be exclusive only to Facebook. They will also be posting some stuff on Twitter just via their own Twitter account. Uh, they're not making any specific deal with them. And I wonder, I, I'm assuming they'll also be using Facebook's live streaming since Facebook is pushing that so hard. So Interesting. You know who's not listed anywhere near here is YouTube. What? Yeah. yeah. No, no, no YouTube. I'm sure they're going to do something there because you have to at this point. You have to be everywhere. But I, they'll probably just put up some clips under their own account. Yep. Yeah. Probably. And yeah, I, I, this is a, I just don't care about the Olympics anymore. I really don't. <laughs> it's like. You know, it's it, after the last couple, it, it just doesn't really float my boat anymore. Maybe I'm just getting too old. Yeah, or you're not a big sports ball fan anyways. You don't I, get it. When I was a kid, I always loved watching the. I watched the Olympics start to finish. I always loved the Olympics when I was a kid. But because it's not it's not regular sports stuff, you know, I always liked I always liked it. I thought it was fun. Yeah. Well, I'll be watching. Some I was a big track and field fan. I loved watching track and field. Right. So, okay. Well, I'm feeling a bit uh, I'm a bit thirsty. You'll then call a drone. <laughs> exactly. 7-Eleven. Nobody saw that coming. I think we all thought it'd be Amazon, right? Yeah, this came out of left field. 7-Eleven. Uh, 7-Eleven wow. made the first commercial delivery by drone. Uh, this occurred uh, in Reno, Nevada. So they've uh, drone startup Flirte. This sounds like it should be <laughs> a dating app, right? Yeah, Flirte. Flirte. Uh, it's took on, this took place on July 11th. Uh, an autonomous drone uh, flew a mile from a 7-Eleven location to a private home in Reno. The initial delivery included a chicken sandwich, donuts, coffee, candy, and Slurpees. Ooh, hot and cold. Sweet, I know, interesting. <laughs> sweet and savory. Look at all and that. Who decides they want a chicken sandwich and a donut? And, well, maybe this might have been for two people because you had donuts and coffee, chicken sandwich and a Slurpee with uh, candy for both. So someone is on breakfast schedule and somebody else is ready for lunch. Yep, indeed. Like, they must have a kid. Probably, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a, there's actually a video of it, which is kind of boring, but the interesting... <laughs> yes, it is. That's why I didn't include it. Yeah. Uh, the interesting about that, this is FAA. This was an FAA-approved delivery. Yep. So this wasn't them going rogue. I wonder. I want to know how 7-Eleven got the uh, rights to start doing commercial deliveries by drone and Amazon couldn't figure it out. Well, I'm guessing it's something to do with this Flirte company. I'm sure they did the hard work and 7-Eleven just did a partnership with them. And they're probably not big enough to go with Amazon. So this, you know, 
This is this is let's make some waves and do it first. And and it could be that Amazon was always trying to strong arm strong arm the FAA into getting them to let them do whatever they wanted. And Flirte actually was nice and flirted with the FAA and said, "Hey, baby, can I fly well, my drone?" Probably. But by, by the way, I've never. I don't believe this. These stories of Amazon strong arming people that just no. doesn't happen. No, no, no. <clears throat> this, they, they only got that big because they're so nice to everybody. Exactly. That's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we related to earlier, uh, Apple's business uh, is getting smaller and smaller. Uh, Apple's business has shrunk for the second consecutive quarter, driven by declines in its iPhone business. But because Apple still plans to do between forty-five point five billion and forty-seven point <laughs> five billion sales this quarter alone, powered by a new iPhone release, nobody's really too worried yet, and they shouldn't be. I, well, because know, they also so, have how many seventeen trillion dollars in the bank. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, they've got a ton of money in the bank. Sure, their business isn't growing with their iPhones, and let me tell you why. Apple just sold their billionth iPhone. Yeah, and they, the and thing I, is, they they last too. <laughs> they last now longer. You don't need to update them as often. We still kind of do, but we don't need to. And and in fact, we're going to start doing it less because I don't know if you've noticed, all the telecoms are starting to pull their subsidies on these things. So you basically have to buy it outright, which is an insanely large amount of money. So you wait a while to do it. And yeah. uh, a billion devices. I mean, that is a massive uh, tech milestone. Like nothing hits that. Well, Nothing. except Android phones and uh, PCs and <laughs> they're oh, yeah, out there. Okay. But the iPhone got to a billion in less than a decade. It took the computer industry until 2002, which is 25 years to ship its oh, one yeah. billion PC. So it's it's on a rocket to the moon. It's a, No, it's a big deal. It's definitely a big deal. But you know what that means? That there's, uh, there's a lot of used iPhones out there that you can go grab <laughs> so you don't have to buy yep. a new one. Yeah, secondary market is actually getting to be quite large on that. Um, the interesting thing, speaking of iPhones and uh, getting smaller and smaller as they do every year, there's going to uh, we're finally going to hit the the wall on miniaturization on Moore's yep. law. Yep. So uh, we got about five more years, and that's about yep. it. Yeah. Uh, that's then they're going to have to they're going to have to start going vertical, and which means that they're going to be bigger. Or you know? quantum. Uh, I don't think you're going to get a quantum phone anytime soon. Damn, it should be called the leap when it does happen. Just saying, people. Seriously, I should brand that, should brand that now. You should go get that domain. <laughs> I think Quantum Leap might already be a trademark, though. Mm. Mm, could be. Yeah. Speaking of uh, copyright and trademarks, this. Uh, I, I, I see. I teed that up for you. I know that was a softball. Carol yeah. Heis, uh, Highsmith uh, mm-hmm. is a photographer who gave away eighteen thousand seven hundred and fifty-five of her photo- photo- photographs right. to the uh, Library of Congress. Well, mm-hmm. those. Dickwads over at Getty and another company called Alamy uh, have been selling them, and they actually tried to charge her for illegal use of her own photos. (sighs) This is this is uh, content bots gone amok and assholes basically, you know, selling your own photos back to you. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I can't stand Getty. I'm sorry. They are they're (laughs) they're a terrible company. They they. They, they just have these scrapers out there going after everybody. Now, I am all for getting paid for your work, but um, they 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 get to be very ridiculous. They're very much like the MPAA suing the, the children for downloading uh, one song and things like that. Yeah, a little bit of human oversight in the process is kind of required, and it generally doesn't happen. No. So I hope she wins because it's a one billion dollar lawsuit, and uh, the the math is in the uh, the article that we link to. So she the normal rate for a photograph 
that you can go after for damages is twenty five thousand dollars. So it works out to be like forty, like forty two million ish for uh, or I forget however much, whatever it is. Um, She can charge three times what that you can normally charge because they've been busted for doing it previously. This is the third time that they've been been sued for this. Right. And they've well, lost at some previously. Point, at some point they'll lose enough money to actually throw some humans back into the mix. Hopefully. Well, they won't be able to afford them hopefully. And they'll just go out of business. <laughs> Security. Ha! Well, I guess the largest news in security would be the DNC hack this week. Guess so. Is it an act of war? That's what people are asking. Uh, yeah, we've spent a good bit of time, uh, obviously, discussing this on the CyberWire. You are correct. This would be the number one story we've been covering this week. Um, and the answer is no, it is not an act of war. Um, the people who spend a lot of time thinking about these sorts of things uh, are, are obviously very deliberate about what does and does not constitute an act of war. Um, yes, you know, there, and, and I think you really have to come at it from the point of view of what is espionage versus what is uh, an act of war. And, and again, the people who talk about this, they talk about uh, war in the kinetic space, which is uh, a nice way of saying, you know, things that, that blow up, things, bullets that move, <laughs> things that move quickly and cause damage. Uh, um, spinning reactors out of control. Yeah, those sorts of things. But, um, you know, I, I think countries all know that everybody goes in and pokes around and looks at each other's stuff. And that's espionage. And that's sort of, you know, acknowledged. Every, we do it. Everybody does it. And so you sort of wink and you nod and you you try to minimize the other people doing it. But there's sort of an honor among thieves mentality uh, is my understanding of it. Um, when you go in and start breaking stuff, for example, when um, the Russians went in and uh, started messing with the Ukrainian uh, power grid. Now we're talking about something different because now we're talking about things where you know lives could be on the line and so forth. Um, so you know this going into the DNC servers is more along the lines of an act of espionage. You know where it starts to get close to where it can affect things is if you make the case that it actually could be monkeying with our election. Yes. See, that's that's kind of where I came down on this. I don't believe it's an act of war to go in there and get said information, but potentially releasing said information at specific times seems to border on the line a little bit. Yeah, and certainly there's been a lot of discussion about that. Um, and, and, you know, people are saying wh- whether or not it's an act of war, it is, it is something that uh, – that will require a response uh, from from our government, either you know public or behind the scenes or whatever. Um, you know, another thing with with an, a cyber act of war, our government has been very cagey about specifically defining what an act of war is in cyberspace because they don't want to get boxed in. They don't want to draw some line in the sand that says if you do this, we will then you know respond with with missiles and guns. Right. Um, so they want to keep that. And, you know, there's a good argument to be made for keeping that kind of loose. Yeah, I agree. But uh, let's, uh, that seems like a perfect segue into how somebody in our potential government did decide to respond to this. Um, <laughs> Donald Trump, the presumptive uh, Republican nominee. No longer presumptive. Oh, yeah. He, the That's Republican right. nominee has, uh, has responded in his own way by basically suggesting that Russia should hack uh, Clinton's emails so he can get access to those. 
As, yeah. <laughs> See, this treason. just this for me just just is in the latest statement in a long line of dumbassery coming from Donald Trump. But well, and he did what he normally did, which is as soon as he saw some of the backlash the next day, he tries to step it back by saying, hey, of course, I was just kidding. Well, right. does right. not matter to me in my mind. And it, it, it's the question is, did is this treason? Uh, people are kind of saying no, but it's also just really, really, really stupid. Yeah, I mean, if you want to get you know technical and pedantic about it, there it is. It is a very high bar to be for something to be charged with treason. Treason can happens after there actually is war. So, uh, you know, and and the Supreme Court has looked at this, and so no, you know, under the the standards for treason, no, Donald Trump did not uh, did not commit treason. Um, however, you know, it does it, it still it, it makes it a, a reckless thing to have said. It is troubling. I will will just leave it at that. It, it is troubling yeah. that a major candidate would suggest such a thing. It reminds <laughs> me of yes, and, and of course, is you know we're shocked, shocked that Donald oh, yes. Trump would say something <laughs> and then have to walk it back. You know, he reminds yeah. me of that that kid in middle school who would always say something horrible or offensive and then follow it with "just kidding, just kidding," you know, <laughs> just kidding. So yeah, yeah. All right, let's uh, let's step away from the politics now and talk about something a bit stupid. We've talked about the Internet of Things a lot on both our podcast and this particular segment because it, there's a lot of security aspects to it. Uh, this is just kind of a silly story. Uh, Amazon's Alexa has uh, they've made a partnership with a company called, I believe, let me see. Uh, it's another A, so it all gets quite complicated. Amazon's Alexa has partnered with August to control August door locks. Uh, these are e-locks, and uh, you can now lock the door with your Alexa device by basically just saying, hey, Alexa, lock the door. Now, <laughs> what's to stop somebody from standing outside the window and yelling at Alexa to unlock the door? Ah, but hold on. That's where they actually thought about things a little bit, and they don't allow you to unlock the door with it. That seems like the one thing so, that I'd really need it to do. You spend uh, $200 <laughs> on their lock and then another $80 on a smart bridge to wirelessly connect the lock to your to your device so you can unlock your door while you're sitting in your house. And that's the only usage that you can get out of this. <laughs> or another $150 for a locksmith to let you back in when you accidentally lock yourself out. Or I'm figuring, since it's basically a one or zero state on this lock, eventually a hack that will unlock the door. Yeah, it's an uh, to me. I think it's kind of an investment in laziness. So you know, if you're up in your if you're up in your bedroom at night and you really don't feel like going to check if whether or not you lock the door or not, you can yell out to Alexa and and, and have her lock the door. But um, to only have you know partial functionality of this and um, and it's. I mean, I, I would suspect that. It, I mean, it would seem crazy that this August door lock, however, it's connected to everything else. You must have an app on your phone or something to remotely activate it. Otherwise, what's the point? So, you know, the the integration with Alexa is one thing, but um, there, I don't know. It, it, this is a head scratcher. See, I can't get Alexa to pick the right Pandora station half the time. So <laughs> I really don't know if I trust it with the, the actual security of my home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, it's, it is a bit silly. Yeah, and one would assume that you do have an app that unlocks your door, but uh, obviously the voice, the whole voice thing is a whole different thing. And are these things going to start to be coded to certain voices so you yeah. can't have a stranger outside saying, hey, unlock the door, that it has to be your voice? What happens <laughs> if I record it and splice it together using, you know, all these wonderful tools that we now have on our phone to do audio editing? 
Oh boy, yeah. Internet of Things. It, it, it's going to be a lot of fun, isn't it? The image that came to my mind was uh, Fred Flintstone standing outside of the door, banging on the door, yelling, <laughs> Wilma! Wilma! <laughs> you know, just imagining someone outside the door yelling, Alexa, <laughs> let me in! Oh, <laughs> um, uh, well. <laughs> yeah. The Internet of Things is just getting better and better, as, we, as we'll find out uh, in our next stories. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, a couple of other uh, IoT-related things. Uh, we had a story this week on the CyberWire about uh, uh, wireless keyboards that, uh, in this day and age, um, we're not encrypting the, the traffic between the wireless keyboard and your computer. The security firm Bastille found that there are uh, millions of these keyboards out there. These are the, the cheap ones. Uh, these are keyboards that use a mouse dongle um, with your system. So these are not keyboards that use Bluetooth. Um, but uh, they have a range of about uh, about 100 yards, which is pretty good distance, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. by which someone could uh, could monitor the wireless traffic between your keyboard and your computer and basically uh, listen in on everything you're typing. Yeah, that's yeah. word that's war drivable easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, if you if you are using a wireless keyboard and it is not using Bluetooth, uh, check it out. Uh, this is. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing that, that I find, you know, I, I, like I said at the top, you know, in this day and age, the notion that a manufacturer would be making a, a keyboard that does not have any sort of encryption between the keyboard and the device, you know, we all, this is something that I guess we would all assume they were doing, and yet, uh, you know, to save 50 cents on each device, I guess that's all the motiv- motivation they need to, to not do that, so you really need to check these things um, you know, buyer beware. Yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of people play on the fact that nobody does the research on this, and there's just an assumption. Um, and obviously, it's not happening. Of course, now I'm terrified because I realize mine isn't Bluetooth, but I did spend a lot of money on it, so I am hoping that it is encrypted. Oh yes, because that's <laughs> that that always works out the best. Yes, exactly. That's the way it always works, right? That's like those guys that spend all that money on their BMWs, and a uh, what was a twenty five dollar key fob hack could get you into a BMW a couple what was it, about two years ago. So yeah. Yeah, it really works. (laughs) Great. Uh, Yeah, moving on, uh, you know, speaking of things that you never thought would ever have any security holes, light bulbs. Light (laughs) bulbs. I I, I firmly stick with the, my light bulb does not need to have any kind of connection to my computer. Yeah, so a story this week that uh, uh, Osram's Lightify Smart Bulbs... um, They found they 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 might want to rechange that name there from Smart Bulb. (laughs) Doesn't seem so smart. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, merely adequate bulbs. Um, uh, they found, I believe it was nine security uh, holes in, the, in these light bulbs. Um, and they've patched some of them, but there are still some of them that are open. And um, the problem is, as with a lot of these IoT things, that these bulbs could be a way for someone to get into your home network, um, the vulnerabilities in these, in these, uh, these smart bulbs. So if you have an Osram smart light bulb... Uh, go check out to see if uh, to see if you have one of the ones that has the security holes. Like I said, not all the the holes have been patched, so uh, you might want to go down to the local hardware store and buy yourself an incandescent light bulb and <laughs> screw that puppy in until the holes are patched and um, go rethink your life. And do you really need to have a smart light bulb in your house? Seriously, we can't get people to patch their computers that they're on all day. Who's going to remember to run the, the, up the software updates for their light bulbs? 
Oh, Jason, you're going to love this too. I was looking through this and, and one of the biggest problems is the fact that the, uh, the admin interface web management tool, they didn't check, uh, they didn't project for, uh, injection on the, on the, uh, form submission script. Okay. How many times did we have to deal with that back in the day? Oh yeah. 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 I mean, but what, but what a, what a perfect example of the challenges of, of internet of things stuff. You know, it's not really bolts. a challenge, though. That's the thing. I mean, <laughs> if these people just put, you know, 10 minutes into security, they could just get the basics down at least. Right. But but is but but isn't but doesn't that speak to the, the notion of how, you know, we're purchasing things on Amazon. We're, we're running after the cheapest price, you know, yep. which means it comes from some no name, you know, manufacturer, distributor, who knows where. And. The point of this article was, isn't it? <laughs> well, the part of the title of the article was, "Isn't anything code audited anymore?" Yeah, no, <laughs> no, it's and not. That's extra <laughs> expense, just like the keyboards. You'd have to yep. hire actually more than one programmer to to work on it. And why why right. hire two when you can get the same crappy code for one? Most right. likely, that code was probably purchased for five bucks off uh, some of those cheap code warehouses. Any two, so you know, we we need a form. Okay, there's one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking, let's, let's move on to the next, my, my favorite IOT thing of the week. Um, we, we need to have a segment just for IOT, I think, because this is just getting <laughs> out of hand. Uh, pets left hungry as smart feeder breaks. <laughs> Owners of yeah. the uh, smart pet feeding device, PetNet, uh, were told by the company that they had to go feed their pets manually because their server was down. Now, <laughs> why, why, isn't it just a timer? Don't you just put food in a box and set a timer? Why does it have to go to a server to figure out when Fluffy needs a snack? It, <laughs> you'd think that there would be backups for this, and it should fail forward. It's like, okay, if it can't get to the server, right. unlock the box. the food. Just exactly. dump all the food. Dump all the food. Yeah. <laughs> right. So instead of having a really bad day, Fluffy has the best day of his life. Exactly. <laughs> I, I really do not understand at all why this is connecting to a server. At all. That's what I'm saying. Well, it it could be your bridge for when you're, you know, if you're out on the road and for some reason your cat, you know, gives you a call and says, hey, Joe, I'm hungry. Can you uh, give me a snack (laughs) that you can, you know, release a few bits of kibble for it? But we do not need smart pet feeders. You know, this is the person who has a person who who loves their pets, and we all love our pets. So this is, but this is the person who really loves their pets and has a camera you know, in the house that they can monitor on their mobile device so they can watch the pet taking a nap and then they can, you know, they can they can talk to the pet over the, the over the camera and then they can say, you know, hey, Fluffy, ready for a snack? And Fluffy's tail starts wagging or, or Fluffy the cat starts purring and then they press the button on their phone and, you know, half a dozen bits of kibble drop out and, you know, so you had a chance to interact and feel good about your pet in the middle of the day. As you're being a terrible cat parent. <laughs> well, yeah. So, but I can see, you know, the the functionality uh, is 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 appealing to a certain set of people. I can see there being an attraction to that. But I think Jason, as you said, yes, fail forward. <laughs> yeah. Because seriously, I'd rather come home to a fat dog than a dead dog. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Ah, so sorry, Bam Bam. You're not getting one of these anytime soon. <laughs> Brian, drink. Uh, it's way too early for that. <laughs> All right. So uh, our next story is uh, the Electronic Frontier Foundation has sued the U.S. government over the DMCA. That's the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. 
Um, I admit to uh, to having a, a bit of a thorn in my side about the DMCA. It's uh, it is to me it is a it's it's been a longstanding piece of legislation and it's had all kinds of things wrong with it. Um, so a couple of people are suing the government. Andrew uh, Bunny Huang and uh, Matthew Green, who's uh, near us in Baltimore. He's at uh, Johns Hopkins University. Um, they're suing the government over the DMCA, saying that um, that people can't uh, apply fair use. Yeah, because of the DMCA. Yes, the copyright's uh, they, they, way they too strict. They got a good case. Yeah, it's way too strict. Um, and uh, I think you know one of the the best examples of this is, uh, for example, you know you buy a car these days. You buy a car, and your car is full of software, um, and you own that car. Right, that car belongs to you. You bought it free and clear. Well, according to the DMCA, there are situations under which, if you want to work on that car, if you want to work on the software on that car, let's say you know you wanted to do a, a, an alteration to the software to give your car more horsepower or or better gas mileage or something like that. Um, well, if you did that, the car manufacturer could come after you for altering that software, you know, for decrypting that software to do that modification to something that you bought, that you own free and clear. And um, a lot of people are saying they have a problem with that. And I think, I think there's a good case for that. What do you guys think? No, yeah, we, we talked about <laughs> this a little bit. Jason and I got in a huge argument about this last week. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I think that uh, you, you buy it, you own it, but that's... I again, uh, I don't want to rehash the same argument with Jason. Yeah. I I agree a hundred percent that that this the DMCA goes above and beyond what it was ever meant to do. My only point last week is I understand where the impulse for this came from. It was to protect international. It was to protect copyright, intellectual property. It's being used incorrectly. It is far too vast, and there are some really troubling concerns. I agree with this lawsuit. I think that once you buy something, you do own it. But I also do understand that why this came to be, uh, and specifically from the music industry. Uh, if something that actually would have worked in terms of copyright act uh, for the music industry, we wouldn't be in the situation that we are now, but we are. So, and yes, if you buy something outright, if you buy a car, you should be able to do what you want with it. Agreed. Yeah. And a, a big part of this also was when DVDs were brand new, that sort of coincided I, I was with, the, say, yeah. with the DMCA. Yeah. And so there was the whole thing where, you know, D DVDs are encrypted, but the encryption was cracked in about 10 seconds. Yes. Um, and so tools to rip your DVDs came out. And the DMCA says that, you know, if you if you go out and buy a DVD and then you rip that DVD and watch a copy of that on your iPad, you are in violation of the DMCA. And yes. um, a lot of people have a problem with that. Yeah, that yeah. was the old DCSS. Uh, yes. Right. Yep. Yeah. Well, the guy that tattooed yeah. the algorithm on his on his arms or back or whatever and wasn't allowed to leave the country. <laughs> right, right, yeah, and we've gotten past a lot of that, you know. I, I, um, I, and actually, to that point, uh, one of our uh, our, our editor was at uh, a global uh, automotive uh, cybersecurity summit last week, uh, the Billington Automotive Summit, um, and the automobile manufacturers all made the specific point that um, they are looking for white hat researchers to, you know, bang away, hack away at their systems, and they have said, "We are not going to come after you." Um, for trying to hack into these things because we think uh, the safety 
angle is more important than the intellectual property angle. So that's actually a shift from the automotive industry um, and the kind of thing we'd like to see. But um, but at any rate, this lawsuit. We'll see how this lawsuit uh, how this lawsuit goes through. I, I think. Uh, the DMCA, in my opinion, is definitely due for a reworking. Uh, it was, it's been a, a problematic piece of legislation from the outset. Yeah, agreed. Agreed across the board. All right. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today, Dave. We will uh, talk to you soon, and uh, belated happy birthday. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Great to be here. I'll talk to you guys next week. All right. All right. Comment of the week. We got a comment at uh, grumpyoldgeeks.com. This is from, I, I love your name, Swell Schultz. How swell is that? He's a swell guy. He is. Hi there. I was listening to your last podcast of 2015 and heard you guys bitch about not having a decent audio player for the iPhone. I think we do that once every three episodes or so. Yeah, it's like um, yeah, once a month at least usually. Yeah. Uh, this is a legitimate complaint. The Apple solution sucks. I use an app called USB Disk Pro on my Apple devices. Not only can you drag and drop files and directories directly to the iPhone and iPod using Wi-Fi, but it has its own built-in media player. It also has photo capabilities, Dropbox, Google Drive, OneDrive, Box, and Evernote stuff. It's very simple, and I like simple. Love your GOG podcast. I've sent you a few bucks here and there. Hope to help out more in the future. Keep up the great stuff. Well, thank you, Swell. Thank you very much. Well, we're going to use some of those bucks and probably go buy USB Disk Pro. <laughs> I'm thinking about it because I've gotten so annoyed with the inability for me to actually deal with and manage music on my phone. Um, this sounds perfect. Yeah, I my iTunes Match account is done, so getting music over back and forth and around is is a real pain. So yeah, um, it's, yeah, and it's almost gotten to the point where I just don't even bother on my phone. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm I'm actually using I'm just using Spotify. On my phone, and instead of instead of using the vast music library I already own. Yep, <laughs> that's about <laughs> it's it. So stupid. Oh man, uh, has, has Spotify fixed the Wi-Fi when you leave your house problem yet? Nope, I still have a good two to three minutes uh, lag as I walk down the street. So you just have to you have to remember to just turn off Wi-Fi or like two minutes before you leave your house, so it picks up and goes. Pretty much, yeah. Which is again stupid. Yes. So, th thanks, everyone. Technology is awesome. Oh, it's great. You know how the auto industry say, say, said you don't have to be perfect? Let's, have, let's shoot for a little bit closer, too. Yeah. Or at least just roll back to the ones that worked, Apple. Oh, yes, it used to work so well. Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, grumpy old geeks. Okay, this next one comes from Twitter from uh, Andreas Krohn, friend of the show. Uh, he's like, maybe not a grumpy enough story for you, but still interesting. We, we put this one here. We didn't put it in security because it was a, it was a fan suggestion. Um, how I made LastPass, give me all your passwords. <laughs> this uh, is an article about two different, uh, well, there, there are two different major uh, LastPass hacks that came out and they've all been fixed now so right kudos on LastPass for doing it but uh it was a very interesting hack which i really liked which i never even thought about it uses the um that little bit of web code that goes in your your browser extension mm -hmm. so he kind of backtraced it and checked some of it out and found out that they were doing really bad um encoding on the urls that they were pulling and parsing to figure it out so you could just throw in a little bit of uh little bit of at code uh, or, yep. or, or at symbol because one thing that a lot of people don't know is if you do http colon slash slash a username uh is it it's the at sign a password then a colon then the url or it's reverse that i can't remember it's been so damn long 
but the, you, there's a way to use a uh, username and password in the actual domain name itself. But so you yeah. can you can have it pulled out. Um, and you can do all sorts of other stuff at, with it. Uh, but he was using the ad symbol as uh, actually no, it's a little different. He was using that as a break to f- spoof another domain. Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, I see passwords and at signs, and I get uh, I get all nostalgic for the old days. I wonder if you can <laughs> even do that. I guess. But anyway, yeah, it's very cool. Um, thank you for the link. And this has been fixed if you use the last pass. Yeah, and the fix was actually pushed in less than a day, which is pretty pretty damn quick. So they're responsive about it. So good on them for that. Not bad. Yeah, we like one password though. Yeah, it's prettier. It's prettier. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at GOG Podcast, on Instagram at Grumpy Old Geeks, or at Patreon at patreon.com slash GOG. We have a website at grumpyoldgeeks.com where you can listen to shows, leave feedback, or better yet, ask us questions that we can read on the air. If you have friends, please tell them about the show. And please, if you like the show, drop us an iTunes review. They really do help us out. And only take a minute or two. Go to grumpyoldgeeks.com slash iTunes, and it'll take you right there. At the library. This week I finished Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind by Yuval Noah Harari. Uval? Yavel? I don't so know. So you went, you went into that with the hesitation that I usually do with names I like know. that. I so. know. And here's the, the crappy part. I practiced that before the show, but then I, I, <laughs> I loved it. Uh, this is an amazing book. It's, okay. It really does follow the entire history of humankind. And how terrible and horrible we are to basically every every aspect of the world we touch. Um, but the the really interesting thing that that I took away from it is how much of our society and how we interact with each other and everything we deal with is basically just um, kind of a shared lie. Right. <laughs> you know, you go from things like money, which is you know. Yeah, a completely all, fabricated, all it, but it just goes through everything. And it's just like, by the time I was done, I'm just like, oh, hmm, this was a crazy book. <laughs> and well, I don't know what to go with it. That's why I get so angry all the time. It's we do. It's all a fabrication. We have created a societal contract to basically believe in this bullshit. And it's so frustrating when people just decide, nope, not going to. And they do whatever they want. We make a deal, people. We're held together by these tiny little strings. Yes, we are very, very thin threads <laughs> at some points. Yes. Um, and then I read, I needed something to kind of cleanse the palate. So I read At Home, A Short History of Private Life by Bill Bryson. Oh, I love Bill Bryson. And yeah. I love this book. What did you think? I love it. I, I yeah. it's, a, it's adorable. It's an adorable little book. It's amazing. It's awesome. I mean, who knew that finding out the the how foyers came to be would be so damn interesting? <laughs> I know. That's the funny part about it. <laughs> I mean, when you really want to dig into Bill, you go for, you know, his short history of nearly everything. Yeah. Or the travel. The travel I stuff's like- good, too. I don't like that as much as his, his when he goes deep on these topics, though. Okay. Right. But. Yeah, I, I loved it home. I thought it was great. I mean, it was again, it's so fascinating to see all the things that we take for granted and how they came to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Highly recommended. So check it out. And I don't have anything on deck for next week. I'm going to have to go find something fun to to check out. What, do you, halfway, what do you got? I'm halfway through something, but I'm not going to mention it yet because I, I really can't decide if I like it or not. Okay. <laughs> so if I end up liking it, or at least it's interesting, then I'll talk about it next week. And if I end up throwing it down in disgust, I'm not going to mention it. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. Brian's reviews to be or not to be. Exactly. That is the question. Software, apps, and gadgets. Microsoft is all over the iPhone these days. 
Oh, no. Why? Get off my <laughs> iPhone. Yeah, well, they've already got Office over on your iPhone. You've got uh, the well-regarded email app, Accompli. I guess it's well-regarded. I might have to check that out because Mac Mail's fine, but come on. Everything I do um, is in Gmail, so I use Gmail. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a calendar app called Sunrise. I use Google Calendar because it's convenient. But I use Fantastical hey, for that. Yeah, uh, and uh, let's see. Microsoft is offering up a rival to the built-in camera app, Microsoft Picks. It's a free app from Microsoft Research. It focuses first and foremost on delivering better pictures of people. It does this by continuously taking pictures when the app is open and then using an algorithm to choose the best shot or shots from among 10 images, seven taken before you push the button and three after. This makes sense because the human mind is slow, and generally the picture that we wanted to take happened right before we actually press a button. And when we press the button on our phone, we actually move the camera. So we're not getting the exact shot we hoped we were getting. Um, we have this with burst mode already, though, I believe. I guess it doesn't really start until you until hit you hit the button. Maybe, so this, maybe. This just goes continuously, basically, all the time. And it's pretty smart. Um, if you follow the link that we have in our show notes, they do some side-by-side -side comparisons of shots taken with the iPhone camera app and then the Microsoft Picks. And they are notably better. I will give it a shot. And I will give it a, a, a basically 100% bet that this will be built into the next version of the iPhone camera app. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> although Microsoft's pretty good about uh, patenting things. That's true. That is true. Um, well, although, I'm, you know, yeah. Yeah. No, Anyways, it looks good. I'm, I'm actually going to download it and give it a shot. I don't take a ton of pictures. The reason I'm kind of talking about it instead of having done it myself is I figured you should give this a go. Yeah, I'll definitely give it a camera go. Guy. Yeah. And I can look forward to a lot of shots of your dog. Yeah, that's what it will definitely be uh, happy with that. And then at some point, I'll look forward to shots of your your baby. Yeah. <laughs> the only problem with this and the reason I most people like me don't go to uh, alternate camera apps. I've got like 20 camera apps that I've gone through. Right. Um, you can't get to them from the lock screen. You can get to the Apple camera app like yeah. really fast from the lock screen. Otherwise, yeah. you have to open it, find it. Even if you put it like right on the home screen or in the in your favorite bar at the bottom, yes, still takes time to get to it. But it would be nice if Apple would let us all customize that. But it <laughs> ain't never going to happen. No, that is not going to happen. So uh, last week I brought to light some of the uh, cold, hard realities of our surge protectors. Mm -hmm. uh, this week it's batteries. So there have been some exhaustive study on exactly the best way to charge your phone battery. Okay. Uh, basically, it's a massive pain in the ass. Never <laughs> go from zero to 100%. Try to never be at 100%. You should probably stick around 40 to 60% most of the time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It is unbelievable how batteries actually work versus how we think they work. Uh, so, this, I don't think I'm going to read this. I. <laughs> Yeah, you probably don't want to because it'll just bum you out. Although it did make me think that maybe we should start our own Kickstarter to create a smart charger that automatically follows all best practice rules. And you could just leave your phone plugged in overnight, but it would never go all the way up to 100. It would stick it within the certain limits, blah, 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 because we all just plug in our phones overnight. At yeah. least we could come up with a smart overnight charger. Well, we could come up with it. We could Kickstarter it. We could take the money and then yeah. go go to the and Bahamas like everybody it. else. Yeah, exactly. So it's a it's a win win. Okay, we're gonna have to actually cut that so off. everyone else loses. We win. Yes. Yeah. Um. Well, <laughs> on uh, I've been waiting for this app on iOS for so long. Uh, Scrivener for yeah, iOS is finally all out. The time. It's finally here. Finally okay. here. 
Uh, I played with it a little bit this morning. I just haven't had time to write anything yet because mm-hmm. uh, I do my morning pages in good notes with the pen because um, I'd like handwriting for those. But when I'm actually writing articles and stuff or doing research for the show, Scrivener's awesome for just throwing pages in and being able to move stuff around. I love it. Right. So I, I grabbed it. It's 20 bucks. I'm extraordinarily happy about that one. So you're saying it's better than notes? It's not for it's not notes. It's not for uh, it, it's, it's mainly for if you're writing books or screenplays or things like that. It right. lets you lets you build chapters. You can have research that, uh, that you like cor- like virtual cork boards and things like that. It's a really deep app for for like serious writing. Mm-hmm. But I can I also use it for research because I'm just I got handy with it when I was doing uh, blog posts for Met Blogs and doing like, you know, my long form posts. Right. I would always use it for that and pull in different websites and research and pull from different, you know, different what is, sources. What is this long form of which you speak? I know that's it, it, it went it went went away with Twitter apparently. Yes, it, it kind of really did. Uh, and speaking of apps that, uh, well, that I paid a lot of money for that I can't use anymore. Right. Uh, OmniGraffle. Right. I I I wanted to pull it up today and do a quick flowchart in my iPad. I haven't used it in a while, and mm-hmm. um, turns out I can't anymore. I spent $89 on OmniGraffle. <laughs> That's a lot for an app. Uh, it was the the most I've ever paid for an app on, a, on an iOS device. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it they bricked it. So for me to use it now, I have to go get OmniGraffle 2, which is 50 That's bucks. pretty screwy. OmniGroup is, uh, they have a history of uh, charging a whole lot of money and being really crappy on the upgrades. <laughs> and uh, if you've ever used OmniFocus, you you would know that for sure. I paid a ton of money for OmniFocus, and uh, yeah, they 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 do this a lot. So that's why I don't use OmniFocus anymore. <laughs> right. Um, and it's apparently why I'm never going to use OmniGraffle again either. I need to go find an old iPad that I can run it on. But yeah, so it's cost fifty bucks to upgrade to get uh, OmniGraffle two, and then what I get is then I get a free upgrade to OmniGraffle two Pro. Right. But I have to have them both on my on my iPad, uh, and OmniGraffle two looks great. But you know what? OmniGraffle one worked just fine, but now it it <laughs> won't even load. Right. So, yeah, kiss my ass, OmniGroup. Kiss buying, his ass, people. I won't be buying anything from them ever again. Um, <laughs> what I'll do is I'll uh, get some graph paper and I'll flowchart and then I'll take a picture of it. <laughs> ah, show them. Yeah, you show them, Jason. Okay. Well, I finally found I finally found some drones for you. I I'm looking at this right now, and I'm considering pre-reserving one. Yes, the Star Wars Battle Quads. These Whoa. are badass. These are so cool. They're. It, I mean, come on, man. So you got, uh, you got Tie Fighters, you got X Wings, you got the Millennium Falcon, and you got speeder bikes. These things will go up to fifty miles an hour. And yep. shoot la- shoot freaking lasers. They shoot freaking lasers, man. <laughs> they shoot freaking lasers. And if you register now, you can save between $200 and $300 on each drone, which means they're going to be expensive. Yes, but you are. can register for free. That's the yep. nice thing. You don't have to put anything down. They just put you in a queue. Uh, so I was going to sign up for one just to be in, the, in, the, in line for it. I just did. Okay, there you go. I am getting me a Millennium Falcon. You uh you actually got in front of me. That's that's good. 
Um, yep, this will. This is finally going to get me into the drone world for that's sure. What Absolutely. I figured. <laughs> I, I've been playing around with the idea of getting one for a while, and I've just kind of been too lazy. But the idea of me flying around my own Millennium Falcon that shoots freaking lasers, uh, I'm in. All in. I'm assuming there's camera functionality as well in these. Doesn't look like it. Doesn't uh, look like it. I think they're a bit I, of they're, a bummer. they're high performance. You should be. You're supposed to be looking at it, not, not uh, right, right. Looking through it. But yeah, I figured as soon as I saw this, I'm like, Brian's getting a drone. Yes, yes, he is. He is pre. He is reserved. Media candy. So I don't know, Brian, if you were a fan of mystery science theater back in the day. I enjoyed it. I wouldn't say I was a rabid fan. If I was a bit hungover on Sunday morning, I'd watch an episode. Yeah, that's kind of where I was. I, I had a bunch of friends who were like super fans mm-hmm. and and could actually quote the the jokes from the robots <laughs> watching the movie, watching the quotes that they could already already quote. <laughs> it was all so meta back in the day. It was. It was. But uh, they have hit their fundraising campaign and they're they're coming, and okay. uh, the uh, the new people will be Felicia Day and Patton Oswalt, the people on the ground. I am not terribly familiar with Felicia Day, but I do have to say that this is a perfect gig for Patton Oswalt. Well, it's a perfect gig for Felicia Day, too. She's the, the, the geek sweetheart, so she was in the guild. She created the guild and has done a bunch of other stuff. She's... Uh, She's a she's a pretty good actress. She's a really good actress, I will say. And um, she was also in uh, Doctor Horrible. She was the the girl in yeah, Doctor lots, Horrible. Lots of things I didn't watch. You never watched? Oh man, that's one thing <laughs> that they really should get get on that sequel. But anyway, uh, Jonah Ray from The Nerdist will be the new guy in space with the robots. Okay. All right. I'm I'm on the fence about that one. I've seen him live a couple times, and he's me 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 me. Okay. Who right. knows? Well, Mystery Science Theater was kind of meh, meh, meh half the time, so maybe it'll fit right in. I tend to agree with that. Um, did you see Star Trek Beyond? Yes, I did. What'd you think? <laughs> meh, 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 meh. I, I gave, actually I gave quite it, liked it. I gave it three yawns because I was so bored in the middle of it. It ran a little long, but I, I will give them credit for the 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 triad, the Kirk, Spock, McCoy um, thing is really starting to click. Yeah, the problem I had with it is it was... All the beats were so telegraphed, and I mean, if you've seen the other two movies, then you just know how this thing is going to flow, and it yeah. flowed exactly on formula. Well, I find that to be an issue with any iteration of Star Trek in a, as a movie. I, I think it's a problem, uh, and I enjoy the series far more than I enjoy any of the movies. Mm. Um, and, you know, it, it just is what it is. It's like we can't have a movie now unless we blow up the Enterprise. Yeah, I'm so over it and I want to get back to the series. And the reason I quickly brought up Star Trek Beyond is because we have our first uh, look at the USS Discovery, uh, Star Trek's new series that will be starring starting next year, I believe, early next year on CBS. Yeah. Um, Before you get all excited, it'll be streaming. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to stream, but whatever. That's fine. Uh, But before you get all excited about the fact that we're actually getting a first look at it, it is built as the test flight of the Star Trek Discovery. And uh, it's basically just a CGI fuck fest. Okay. So you don't see anything. You don't see a character. You see nothing. You see a ship kind of slowly move around a CGI landscape. Yeah. And it's kind of an ugly ass ship in my my opinion. Yeah, it's not. uh, Yeah. Anyways, I'm hoping that the actors will be great. I'm hoping the casting will be spot on. I'm hoping the writing will be there and everything that isn't in the movies will be there. 
And it's going with the prime timeline and not the J.J. Abrams uh, timeline, which which is good. Yes, which is good because in the J.J. Abrams timeline, we do not have Picard. No, we do not. So, and we like Picard. <laughs> Make it so. Make it so. Uh, and then I did find an article that I just got annoyed by. Uh, this is over at Slate in the Browbeat section. It's by Marissa Martinelli. This uh, is. A, I was going to just say, you know, you and your Slate articles, half of them are really annoying. <laughs> this one takes the cake, though. This one is frustrating. This is uh, Star Trek was among the best franchises at representing people with disabilities until Star Trek Beyond. Why? Why, why do we have to tear down the institutions and the people that do the best job when they don't do exactly what you want them to do every single time? Well, because that's what you have to do to get page views. Yeah. Well, fuck off. This is so for fuck's sake. <laughs> I, you, you, you spend the entire article saying how fantastic Star Trek as a franchise has done with this. And then, God damn it, you didn't put it in the latest movie. Just shut up. Yeah. Boohoo. Get a life. As I include the video from. William Shatner doing that. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, moving moving beyond Star Trek. Mm, yes. uh, Marvel fans will have to wait until 2018 for more Daredevil and Jessica Jones. This makes me very, very sad. That does bum me out as well, because uh, uh, somehow, beyond all logic, I got into both those shows. And Jessica Jones was so good. I, I love to... Jessica Jones. Yeah. yeah. We're getting a Luke Cage season later this year. Well, but. I'll... Maybe we'll get a Jessica Jones, you know, crossover. Some cameo, yeah. But we'll see. Yeah, 2018 for Daredevil and Jessica Jones, and I don't. And the ones in 2017, I don't care. Would you please turn whatever that is off? I, my mom keeps calling me. Well, that's okay. why we have okay. mute buttons. Well, I am muted now. <clears throat> I forgot it was on. Uh, yeah. Okay. After the second time. <laughs> okay, go ahead. All right, so I found a new podcast, and this is actually a podcast based on a uh, radio station in your neck of the woods, Jason. Okay. WBEZ from Chicago. Ah, uh, yes, I've heard of it. Yes, this is hosted by Jim DeRogatis and Greg Cott, and I want to give a tip of the hat to a friend of the show, Andy Stochansky, who sent me a link to their latest episode, which is with Moby, uh, and it's an absolutely fantastic listen. Um, he's a fascinating person to begin with. Um, and then he just put out, I guess he's putting out a book, which I'm sure I'm going to read. Uh, and he goes into the history and where he came from and the rise and how, you know, this vegan non-drinker guy ended up becoming massive rock star and getting sucked into the world and drinking and being miserable at the height of his fame. Uh, absolutely great listen. Um, love the episode. The two hosts... I wouldn't exactly say they have a ton of personality. You don't really listen to them. But if you like music, I would uh, highly recommend you go take a look at the exhaustive list of episodes that they have. They're up to 556. Whoa. Um, and if you see, well, yeah, I mean, remember, they're on a regular radio station. They've been around for a while. They're just uh, turning these into podcasts. Uh, if you see any artists uh, that you actually really like, you can do worse than listen to the episodes. I've, I've listened to about five or six now with a couple different artists I really enjoy, and I've liked every single one of the podcasts. So great podcast about music. Oh, okay. So that, yeah. they, see, kids, you can still do a podcast and not even be a, a good host. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> um, and then finally in the media category, I know I'm a bit late to this game, but uh, I was uh, I, it was some night after the DNC and I wasn't tired yet. So I was scouring around for a free movie to watch and I found one. Lucy. Uh, this is from 2014. Scarlett Johansson, Morgan Freeman and actually a decent 
concept for a movie. She accidentally uh, triggers the ability to access more than 10% of her brain going all the way up to 100%. Uh, Morgan Freeman plays the you know learned scientist that has been studying this sort of thing. This could have been an interesting movie. Instead, it was an excuse to have, admittedly, the gorgeous Scarlett Johansson wander around and shoot a lot of people. Yep. Um, so there you go. I'm going to tell you. I, I <laughs> I'm going to tell you why this movie failed. Okay. It was written by Luke Besson. There you go. He hasn't written a good movie since uh, Leon. This is basically Leon with a with a sci-fi plot behind it that doesn't really matter at all, and Scarlett Johansson walking around shooting things instead of Natalie Portman. Yeah, it's kind of it. Um, I, I I had enough to drink that night when I saw it that I actually kind of just went with it and enjoyed it because you have to get rid of the stupid premise of the t- we only use 10% of our brain. There was no need for that to be there. Unfortunately, that was the bit that I was into. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that has been so so debunked so many times. You should know that, yeah. Mister Psychologist. But yeah, no, I know. But still, it, it could have been the good premise for an interesting exploration and in, in sci-fi. Uh, they didn't need it in the movie at all. I would have been fine just watching Scarlett Johansson walk around in skimpy outfits shooting people. See, that's pretty much where I went with it, and it didn't bother me. That's you know, okay. it, it was a, it's a for me, it was just a popcorn movie. It, I, I will say, in twenty years, this will not have legs. No, it will definitely not have legs. Very, very few things Luke Besson does ha- actually has legs. And this is what, you know, that's why he originally retired, I guess. But now he's back and he comes back with this. <laughs> yeah, not so good. Moron of the week. Meet the Allens, Jason. The Allens? See, when, yes. I, when I saw this in the show notes, I, kept, I had to keep squinting because I thought it said meet the aliens. And I'm like, ooh, aliens, cool. But no. Well, they kind of want to be. Um. This is what this is the thing that upsets me. I, we talked a little bit about the societal contract earlier. I hate when people try to <sighs> try to get away with shit. All right, so I'll just read this because it's funny and it upsets me. Uh, the first things the Allens, a British family of four, want you to know about them is that they are followers of something they call off-grid parenting. Okay. It's common and sometimes questionable alternative parenting practices such as homeschooling, avoiding vaccinations and modern medicine, co-sleeping and extended breastfeeding. Oh, so they're creepy. Yes. There are also less common ones such as lotus birthing, letting the placenta and umbilical cord fall off naturally and avoiding shoes for their children. Still, this is not enough. For the Allens, they yearn for a family life even further off-grid and have hatched a plan that will help them move closer towards self-sustainability and being a bit more free-range and less institutionalized. Now, so far, they're loony. They're, but, they're just hippie kooks who... Yeah, uh, they're hippie kooks, and uh, I don't, I'm not particularly bothered by this. Well, Here's you, you, what I get Hey, what, they, avoiding vaccinations? You're not bothered by that? You're the big... Well, you're that, the big vaxxer. That, yes, that does bother me, but hopefully they're living in the middle of nowhere and I'm fine with that as long as they don't come into contact with me or my children or anybody that will ever come in contact with me and my children. Okay. So, yeah, that part does bother me, but not to the point where I'm tearing out my hair. That happens now. Okay. The second thing the Allens want you to know about them is that they can't do this without you. Yes. <laughs> their master plan for self-sufficiency involves moving to Costa Rica and buying a big plot of land where they can grow food and have access to wildlife and nature in its natural state, as they explain on their fundmytravel.com campaign page, <laughs> accompanied by a must-see video. In order to make this happen, they need $100,000 of our money, which they will pay back by sharing the treasure trove of knowledge they anticipate to gain by living off the land. In the meantime, they'll continue getting on by housing and child benefits that come from the government. You fuck nuts. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? No. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Get a job like the rest of us, save your money, then go live in the middle of nowhere. Exactly. You do whatever the hell you want, people, but do it on your own dime. I mean, you're annoying enough that, you know, <laughs> I would almost kind of want to pay you to go away, but not that much money. No, not that much. I'm going to have to go watch this video. Uh, yeah, do it. It's infuriating. And just the, the fact that there is fundmytravel.com. I'm sorry. No. Uh, no. <laughs> no, no, and no. Ugh. Get a, so they, I just I, I want to I want to hijack that domain and redirect it to get a fucking job dot com. <laughs> I agree. Uh, Thanks we, for that uh, one. <laughs> no problem. We have a second idiot. This was actually in our security segment, uh, but we kind of ran a little bit over. So I pulled it out because I found this guy so infuriating. Um, YouTube star named Jack Johnson. The Jack Johnson I know is the Hawaiian hippie guy who plays a lot on his guitar and I don't like either. But that's the old person, Jack Johnson, apparently. This one is some kid on YouTube. He's a 20-year-old pop rap YouTube Vine Twitter Snapchat Instagram heartthrob. <clears throat> <laughs> Okay. Hell that is. Uh, And, you know, he's an idiot. Uh, He asked his nearly 4 million fans to basically give him their Twitter passwords. And why would uh, why would he do this? Well, he wanted to go into all their accounts and post a photo of himself with the hashtag hacked by Johnson. So, yeah, this is uh, not good. It's a jerky thing to do. It's an idiotic thing to do. Uh, Sadly, a bunch of people actually gave him their passwords oh my god (laughs) and he did it um this is not good uh you are a moron and uh, if you had any doubt about it we have a link in our show notes and uh in addition to the whole story it uh does show a number of his own tweets um which involves something like what if you got catfished by someone and you show up to their door and they are an actual catfish oh highbrow if I was an actual catfish that lived in water, I would be mad, offended by everyone using my name as a synonym for ugly and deceptive. Okay. This guy's a fucking idiot. Yep. <laughs> fucking hey, millennials. Four, billion people, right? <laughs> four million people. Sure. Yeah. Great. It's a world. It's a world. It's a world. I can't even put a qualifier on it. It's just a world. Yeah. It's just a world. I like space, Brian. And I cannot lie. (laughs) On July 20th, 2015, NASA released the first image of the sunlit side of the Earth from the EPIC camera on NOAA's Discover satellite. Hold on a second, though. I do want to point out that I'm a little annoyed with NASA attempting to chase after the millennials with their naming. EPIC, and then they drop the I and Discover and the E. Yeah, they, they they dropped all the vowels except the O. Yes. (laughs) Um, I guess uh, they they bought one of those from Pat Sajak. Uh, The camera has now recorded a full year, and Mm -hmm. they they made a really cool uh, movie of it. I did like the movie. Yes. Earth, one year on, seen from one million miles. It's pretty cool. It's, you know, if I was was into the the funky pot weed, I would probably probably have some of that and then watch this on a big screen TV, and it'd be like, dude. Dude. It's pretty cool. Check it out. Depending on what happens in November, could be a completely different movie next year. <laughs> That's true. It Just saying. Uh, you know how I love my moleskins, Jason. Now, is it a moleskin or is it a moleskine? It's a moleskine. Okay. I love my moleskine. <laughs> as much as I like my cafe latte. Cafe latte? And rather conveniently, they have two have come together. Oh, apparently. two great tastes uh, that taste great together. 
Exactly. It's like peanut butter and chocolate. I don't know why they did this, but why not? Um, on Monday, the Moleskin brand, which I, I didn't realize it was founded in 1997. I thought they were around a lot longer than that. But I, I did too. It's a little surprising to me, but uh, that doesn't I, that little card that comes with it. I thought it like came back to the 50s or some crap. Like I that. guessed as well. Apparently, I was very early on the Moleskin bandwagon. Oh, Moleskin. Yes, I did. Yes. I, I mean, I'd, I'd have been at the same time. That's ah. yeah. Hmm. Anyways, they opened up a cafe in Milan, and it, as the as the headline in the article says, it looks exactly like you think it would. Uh, it does. It's kind of <laughs> kind of really boring. <laughs> yeah, it's boring and plain and functional, just like my moleskin. So yeah. there you go. You can go hang out at a coffee bar in Milan and have your moleskin in front of you and take notes. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Not really. But- <laughs> I'm trying to pull something out of that, but <laughs> like, okay, it's a cafe based on a notebook that we thought was like, you know, ancient. And, and you know why? Because it had a rubber band on it. And then because we used to watch uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and Sean Connery had a, you know, a yes. book with a rubber band on it. So you think, oh, it must be old. Nope. Yes. 1997. The only plus is that it's a cafe based on a notebook, not the movie, The Notebook. Yeah, there you go. So we have to find the good things in this. Fortunately, and finally, I still haven't seen that movie, and I won't. You don't need to. You won't need to until you get a girlfriend. Which means I won't. Sal, Jason, tiny violins. Hey, I'm not saying anything. I'm I'm fine. Keep moving on. Let's talk okay. about beer. Well, here, let's get you a good job then. Uh, the Smithsonian will pay someone $64,000 a year to drink and research beer. Funded by the Brewers Association, the position will last for three years and seek someone who's interested in research, documentation, and collecting American brewing history. The beer historian, I'd love to have that on my business card, will work as staff members to develop collections on the burgeoning craft beer movement. The ideal candidate will have, and here's where we run into problems, advanced degrees in American business, food culture, or similar history specializations. So, And you should also have proven experience in research and oral history interviews as well as writing for scholarly audiences. Sadly, you don't get to just drink beer. No, we spent most of our career just drinking beer. And yes, that's why yeah. we are not qualified yeah. for the beer position. qualified on the first aspect, uh, not so much the second. Overqualified on the first aspect, <laughs> one might say. Yes. Oh, well, sad. I was so excited for a few minutes. I know. Oh, the ice bucket challenge. Remember that <laughs> annoying thing that happened? Unfortunately. Did you ever do it? No, because who gives a crap about me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Celebrities, fine. Whatever. I don't need to do it. Uh, a group of researchers have identified a gene implicated in a bunch of scientific stuff that I'm not going to attempt to uh, pronounce. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Basically, they're saying the ice bucket challenge actually did help ALS research, and there has been recently a breakthrough, which is all very exciting. And Until this, you uh, figure out that... Wait, it's not. This kind of, this went everywhere. And then Cory Doctorow over at Boing Boing basically said, uh, no. Yeah. So, no, no, the ice bucket challenge and the money raised, certainly while a good thing did not directly cause anything to happen and stop it. And this is troublesome as, and various other kind of bummer it, things. It screws up so. a bunch of things that deal with long-term funding for yes. for diseases like this. So yes. basically the doctors are saying, uh, no, stop, shut up. Don't say knock this to off. anybody else. <laughs> Take yes, it down. Knock it off. 
please keep giving us money. That's helpful, but uh, let's not keep pushing this idea. And in the single best thing I've ever seen on the web, or at least this month, um, <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty awesome. Uh, somehow, somewhere, some footage was found uh, from the Rolling Stones doing a commercial for Snap, Crackle, and Pop Cereal. Nice. It's pretty awesome. They sing an original song. This is basically just after they formed. They look incredibly young, and uh, it's fucking hilarious. Okay, and but was it actually Snap, Crackle, and Pop Cereal or Rice, Rice Krispies? Krispies? I was going to say, that's Rice Krispies. <laughs> yeah, I was re- I've, I'm too into the song at the moment. That's what got me because, you know, they, they basically do the whole thing. It's pretty awesome. Okay, I'll check it out. Yeah. Pour on the milk and listen to the snap that says it's nice. Are you kidding me? Loving. Da Vinci. He of the moleskin notebooks full of cool ideas. Yes, the codex is yes. the codex I, whatever. Uh, I, whatever the I don't know what the plural is for codex. Codi? I don't know. Who knows? Probably. Um Da Vinci anyways. would know. But he did. Sure he would. He did. <laughs> um Books full of just amazing things, everything that we know about Da Vinci and revere about him, uh, and also just tons of doodles in the margins, as it were, uh, which most art historians have dismissed uh, basically almost all of them as irrelevant. But no, no, you say Ian Hutchins, <laughs> professor at the University of Cambridge, showed that one page of these scribbles from 1493 actually contained something groundbreaking. The very first written records demonstrating the laws of friction. Ooh. Pretty cool. This was obviously discovered later anyways, but hey, once again, Da Vinci beat everybody to it. Not bad. Not and bad. Uh, I've got a I've got a video in here uh, that uh, might mean that uh, Da Vinci beat everybody else to something else, too. The Truth About the Shroud of Turin documentary uh, mm-hmm. about uh, Leonardo or Jesus. Which one is the man behind the shroud? No, really. A lot of evidence came out a while ago. This is a documentary from, I believe, 2009. It came out on the BBC. Give me the spoiler alert here. Uh, that Da Vinci was basically experimenting with early stage photography and the picture on, on the Shroud of Turin is him. Oh, cool. It's kind of neat. Lots that of lots of, neat. lots of evidence actually points to it being true. But, you know, a lot of tinfoil hatters will say no, no, no. But uh, a friend of mine, uh, Calby, friend of the show, Calby, sent me a bunch of stuff on it and I read read up on it. And it seems like it could be legit. Well, that's that's pretty cool. I've also heard that one of the scribblings uh, basically detailed the first attempts at crowdfunding. <laughs> Fundmycodex.com. Closing shout-outs! I have a couple anti-shout-outs this week. My oh, first an- Yes, my first anti-shout-out goes to Comcast and Comcast's ridiculously terrible customer service. Uh, all week long, my... Uh, my internet's been up and down and up and down in the middle of the day, in the morning, at night, all across the board. And I'm wired into the router, so it's not Wi-Fi flapping or anything like that. But if they don't catch it at the minute that it's out, they won't do anything to help you. They won't give you any diagnostics. They won't put any traces on the line. They won't do a damn thing. And every time you call back, you have to spend two hours with someone from India reading a manual to you, asking you to turn it off and on again. <laughs> you are officially starting to sound like my dad. We have hit grumpy old geek territory. Oh, my dude, it's so bad. And then my, my second anti-shout out is to Time Warner Cable in Los Angeles. Shocking. Yes, my uh, I, I don't have an office there anymore, but I have a contract for two years worth of Internet, business class Internet. Um, Yeah, my uh, my cancellation on that one. 
price of a small used car, 7500 bucks if I wanted to cancel that account. Wow. Yep. <laughs> so instead, I have to pay 560 bucks a month or $580 a month because we've got taxes. Uh, so yeah, close to $600 a month for another year and a half. So that's literally pissing money into the wind. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, ah, good times. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Time Warner. <laughs> Thanks, Comcast. <laughs> Fuck you both. All right. Well, uh, hey, Grim Harrison. This is a nice one now. So we're moving away. Thank uh, you. Shout out to Grim Harrison, uh, one of our Patreon supporters who did a long post on Patreon uh, about the issue that I had with the power transformer blowing the other week. Um, super geeky. Thanks a lot for this. And yeah, I, I've already submitted claims to SoCal Edison. So it should be covered, hopefully, because uh, this was a. Uh, it wasn't just a power outage. It was bad power delivery. It was a massive, massive surge. In fact, I saw two of my neighbors pulling out their refrigerators and throwing them out yesterday because <laughs> because of that. So I was much more lucky than that. But uh, still, yes, I, I ended up having to spend quite a bit of money both replacing uh, power power surge protectors and uh, getting a couple things fixed that got a little bit fried. So I have uh, submitted. So thank you very much for all the thought that you put into that response. Well, thanks for listening. I'm Jason DeFilippo, and you can check me out at jpd.me. And I'm Brian Schillmeister, and you can follow me on Twitter at SlenderFungus. Grumpy Old Geeks is a partially fan-supported show. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com GOG. We really appreciate your support. If you don't want to or can't donate but still want to support the show, please go to grumpyoldgeeks.com iTunes and leave us a few words and five stars or tell a friend about the show. Intro music for the show is provided by the band Among Us. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and Apple Music. Or you can donate through the Grumpy Old Geeks Patreon page at patreon.com slash GOG to get 10 exclusive tracks. Outro music for the show is provided by Andy Stochansky. You can follow Andy at twitter.com slash houseofandy, and he's also on SoundCloud at grumpyoldgeeks.com slash Andy. Show notes for all the links discussed in this episode can be found at grumpyoldgeeks.com slash 170. Stay on target. Stay on target. <laughs>